0: Welcome to Dairy Intelligent, a podcast by VES Artex, a turntide company. Together, we will meet dairy industry intellects and passionate dairy producers to discuss all things cows and connected technologies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of VES Artex's podcast, Dairy Intelligent. I'm your host, Annie, and today I'm joined by Carl Berge of Safe Cows Network. Thanks for being with us today, Carl. Can you please introduce yourself and give us some of your background?
1: It's my great pleasure to be here, Annie. And and, uh, uh, so I grew up on a small dairy farm in Switzerland, and I came to the United States and worked as a herdsman, herds manager for about 10 years. And in 1990, I saw the need to for uh, providing a hoof trimming service to the regional or local dairy farms here in South Central Wisconsin, and and uh, but after a little time, I found out that I really needed. I wanted to learn more, so I went to a hoof trimming course in 1995 in in Holland, so in the Netherlands, where I learned more of the foundation uh, of of the hoof, hoof care after that we started derland hoof care institute and and uh i trim i trim between five and seven thousand cows per year for multiple years and then in about 2003 i started to consult with more farms around the world to improve hoof health or anything else that would affect who felt on those farms so so i i still do consulting i travel and and i have the privilege of seeing various production systems various environments and various, various management systems around the world
0: Excellent. Well, welcome. So today we're going to discuss tangible tips to combat lameness on your dairy and advance your hoof care program. So first and foremost, Carl, I'd like to know what your definition of lameness is.
1: For me, my definition would be a cow or a heifer with impaired mobility due to either claw horn disruption lesions or an infection lesion, infectious lesions But also, it could also be an upper leg or a joint problem.
0: So, I know you have a vast amount of experience on dairies around the globe. So, how do hoof issues on dairies differ from region to region?
1: So, to start out with, I think we all need to understand this that the anatomy of the hoof is the same all over the world. There is maybe slight differences within the breeds, okay? But every production system around the world has a a, a similar issues when it comes to lameness as an example grazing cows have different claw horn disruption lesions compared to freestyle cows or dry cows are different again so the various environments affect the hoof differently and at the end the level of lameness depends on how the management of the farm deals with the prevention the environment, and the treatment for their specific production system.
0: Absolutely. So if you have a cow that is lame on your dairy, what exactly is she costing you in terms of, let's say, production, reproduction, and
1: ultimately dollars? Again, uh, uh, this kind of varies a little bit on the production systems. Uh, and and uh, I think the other thing is, too, is how quickly lameness is dealt with or how well it's prevented. But when we look at as an example, a grazing cow, if she has to walk like four kilometers a day, or or as an example, which would be about two and a half miles per day, the cost there, the milk loss will be much greater than a freestyle system where the cow basically has maybe a hundred or two hundred yards to milk to walk to the milking parlor. But when we look at figures in 2017, uh, Chuck Gard from the University of Cornell brought a, a figure forward that the average cost of lameness would be about $570 per case. Now, other work from the UK shows about 360 kilos or 800 pounds of milk loss with, with like a soul ulcer or with an average case of lameness or like in some cases it would add on 60 days to the days open. So it would, those severely lame cows or those lame cows, it would six, take 60 more days to have them in calf. And then in 2018, another study uh, by uh, Nick Bell from the UK showed that the loss for a soul ulcer, if we take everything into consideration, would be about roughly twelve hundred dollars a white line lesion, about nine hundred and ninety, and a digital dermatitis lesion about one hundred and forty-five dollars. So we can see here that not everybody is quite on the same page, but I think the losses with lame cows we know that are are quite high and are greatly underestimated on the, on the on the farm level.
0: Absolutely, it is. Indeed, costly. And I like how earlier um, when you were talking about prevention definitely is key. So looking, looking at the cow's hoof, where exactly do cows get lame on the hoof itself?
1: So from the knowledge that we have and the data that we have, we know that the two most common claw horn disruption lesions, so the lesions within the claws are sole ulcers and white line lesions. And then the third one would be like either thin soles or toe ulcers. So those are basically the three lesions that would amount to 95% of all the claw horn disruption lesions or the the lesions within the claw horn. And then then we'd have uh, two infectious lesions. One of them is foot rot, which is like acute tissue deep tissue infection which this is the, that's probably the only disease that on the farm level would be treated with systemic antibiotics, the only hoof disease. And then we have digital dermatitis. And digital dermatitis is a lesion that's mostly uh, uh, caused by uh, weak immunity and poor uh, skin integrity. So it's an infectious disease that's caused by bacteria that will attack like weak skin or 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 damaged skin, and actually causes lesions that, if they're not treated early enough, will reoccur over and over again.
0: So I'd like to dive into some of the few different types of hoof issues, specifically the ones you just mentioned. So, soul ulcers, what exactly is the cause and what is
1: the solution? So we know today from some research that soul ulcers has a lot to do with with as an example, standing time. And when we look at data on various farms, we can see no matter where we are in the world, like soil ulcers will go up towards the end of the summer. So so we know that that the cost there has something to do with with standing as as the cows are standing longer, there is pressure internally, from from the from the bone structure under the corium, which causes uh, first like a inflam infl- inflammation. This inflammation results in poorer horn quality production. Sometimes even more horn production. So eventually, there is more and more pressure. And with that pressure, what it results in then is it results into. Uh, uh, uh uh extra horn growth and sometimes the corium starting to prolapse now today we've learned that the prevention of sole ulcers there's there's two factors in there one of them when you need to make sure that we see that we get cows to lay down roughly 12 hours per day and then the other thing is from a hoof trimming end of it we we've learned today that actually doing the right thing uh, from the from by taking that pressure off that sole area where the sole ulcers are caused and re-di- redistributing it onto the whole fall, we can prevent the sole ulcers. Sole ulcer is probably the most expensive disease, and and the the thing about it is, once it's happening, like let's say a, a, a second lactation cow comes with a soul ulcer, the chances that it's going to reoccur again in the next lactation and uh, subsa- uh, and again in the next lactation are over 50% of those that will reoccur.
0: Wow, I had no idea on the that reoccurrence rate. That's super interesting. So what about white Lyme lesions? What is the treatment plan there?
1: Yeah, so white line lesions are caused, there are several causes there, and one of them is probably like slippery, slippery concrete floors, cows slipping out. And, and the next one would be like uh, cows perching in the freestyles. So again, uh, a little bit to do uh, with either poor freestyle design or extra standing in the summertime. The next thing is is cattle handling, so the stockmanship. So once we uh, uh, handle those cows roughly and, and they, they kind of run or, 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 or they're, they're not walking comfortable, so they're, they're kind of slipping out, what it does is it causes trauma internally. The same thing happens is on farms where we run run like the the crowd gates or the backing gates in the milking parlors. If we run those too hard, we see an uptick in white line lesions. So a big cause from that is, is also lower foot angles. If we have low foot angles, there's more pressure in the back part of the claw. And in the back part of the claw is where the connection from the bone structure to the whole fall is the weakest. And what's happening then is that weakness in that connection causes internal uh, inflammation, which then results in poor quality horn production in the white line region, in that back part of the claw. And as it grows out, then that poor integrity of the horn lets bacteria enter and cause a bacterial infection, so basically white line lesions many times is uh, associated with with first getting pus out of that lesion. The prevention for white line lesion is, you know, having good good cow comfort, having cool cows, not having good stockmanship on the on on the farms, having good flooring. And then also we know today that with appropriate trimming, so increasing the foot angle, so the weight is more in the toe region of the claw, moving it away from the back part where the connection of the internal structure are the weakest. When we can do that through through hoof trimming, similar to the sole ulcer we can, once we can distribute that weight more under the hoof wall, the, uh, incidence of white, lesion, white line lesions goes down. Now with both of these uh, lesions, the sole ulcers and the white line lesions, the important part is uh, to, to treat them is to early diagnose them and apply uh, uh, a block to elevate the disease claw in, in the trimming shoe. Once we elevate the disease claw, then we follow up with the therapeutic trimming and when we do the therapeutic trimming, we make sure that the therapeutic trimming is done to the fullest degree to aid in the recovery of best practices. So we want these, these lesions to recover if we invent uh, intervene quickly and if we do the right thing with blocking and therapeutic trimming.
0: Cool, comfortable cows are definitely what we aim for to hopefully avoid some of these issues. So, lastly, I'd like to know about digital dermatitis. Um, again, what are some of those causes, and how do
1: you heal it? So, digital dermatitis is is caused by a breakdown in the immune system with poor skin integrity. So, if we have a, a, a dirty environment with with poor hygiene scores, so we have a lot of manure in in, in the barns or in the sheds or even sometimes in in the areas in the dry lots or on the dairy uh, on the grazing dairies uh, on some of the races or some of the collecting areas what happens is is the manure builds up on the skin uh, the hoofs especially in the heel area and that gives those trepanemes, the causing bacteria for digital dermatitis an ideal place to, to multiply or, or they get a hold off in the skin. And, and, and what we need to understand is that these bacteria thrive in, in an anaerobic environment when there is moisture present. So the more manure buildup we have, the dirtier the claws are, the more likely this disease can start. Now we already know that uh, this disease can start in heifers at 10 to 12 months of age. So as soon as they start coming into heat. There is like a higher risk period of, of of these lesions in the heifers. And and I encourage every farm that has a problem with digital dermatitis to really start looking at the 10 to 14 months old heifers to make sure there is no acute lesions in there. And, and we wanna do this on a weekly basis. So we wanna walk these heifers weekly. If we see anything, acute, any acute lesion or any early acute lesion, we need to treat them with a topical antibiotic because what work has shown is when we treat them with a topical antibiotic the first time, the recurrence rate or the healing rate is very high. If we miss that early treatment, even let's say it happens in 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 two-year-olds in the milking herd, if we miss that early treatment, and we, or we delay the treatment, the lesion actually becomes more chronic. And what's actually happening is that the bacteria move deeper in the epidermis and they start insisting. So what they do is they kind of get deeper in and they almost like colonize or, or, or they, they form they form clusters. And and once we get to that stage, those lesions, those chronic lesions, become the spreaders on the farm. So the chronic lesions spread the spread the bacteria in the manure on the farm, and and which again, if we have animals with uh, the uh, the conditions that we talked about, is they're more easily be infected. So so the the, the thing here is the early treatment, the early identification of those lesions and the early treatment with a topical antibiotic of the first lesion is crucially important. In my opinion, if the lesion returns, there is no point of using antibiotics again, then I think we can refer to all the non-antibiotic treatments that are available out there because it really doesn't matter anymore because because we can't reach the bacteria that are deep embedded inside of the, that are insisted inside of the, the hyperkeratosis that's present.
0: Thanks, Carl. That was really, really insightful information. And I appreciate you sharing the, the simple tips and recommendations that you've seen over your years and years of experience. Um, so I do want to back up the conversation a little bit and talk about what are some of the preludes for lameness? Um, and what are some of the early risk signs?
1: we have good information today that we know that the transition and caregiving period is a high risk period. And and it's a high risk period for some of those things because of uh, immune system that has to work harder. But the other thing we know is that during that period, we also have a higher risk for inflammation. And because inflammation in a fresh cow in a, in a cow that just had a calf or in half that just had a calf is something normal of the birthing process. And it's some, something normal from the recovery of the birthing process. We have a higher risk. So if we go during this period and the claws are not in good shape, or we have sub subclinical things already happening in that period of time, the, the risk then that lesions develop between uh, 45 and 80 days in milk when the cows should be peaking are, are getting very high. So really what we need to understand is that also as an example, summer heat when cows stand more adds onto this risk. Okay. So cow cooling, cow comfort, comfortable stall are hugely important in these close-up cows and fresh cows. And and the other thing I would say is, again, that those fresh cows are not spending uh, too long in the uh, the milking parlor or too long in the headlocks because they already have inflammation present. When we make them stand longer than what they should or, or they can't lay down, the inflammation actually increases and and it will actually make the problem worse. So, so the the prevention is to make sure that every cow enters the close-up with the best possible claw shape that we can give them. We make sure that infectious diseases are well controlled. So digital dermatitis is well controlled. And then and then the other thing is, is that we make sure that that we We do everything we can to keep these animals as comfortable as possible.
0: Prevention, control, and comfort are definitely key. So do you feel that lameness is only environmental or is there a genetic component?
1: What I would say is, you know, certainly that there is a a small genetic component, right? But... That when we look at the heritability of those genetic genetic uh, issues, they're, they're actually quite low. And And I think we've learned over the years that we can manage pretty well around those. So by managing around those areas, what I would say is we need to make sure we we raise healthy heifers with with good with good hoofs that can then enter the the milking herd, in, in great shape. And once we do that, I think, I think uh, even though there might be a genetic component, a lot of times we can overcome that by, by making sure the environment is great. And again, by hoof trimming them correctly and making sure maybe some of these animals need, instead of two, uh, two trims, one or two trimmings per year, maybe they need three trimmings per year. But it doesn't mean that they can be uh, more, that they're more predisposed to lameness. I think we're we're so good today on preventing lameness if we do the right thing.
0: Looking into setting up a proper barn environment for hoof health, what are some cow comfort elements that you have seen that have the greatest effect on decreasing lameness? Um, Maybe it's heat stress or looking into the holding pen, um, stall size, flooring. I'd love to hear your opinion.
1: So, so I think I think you know we need to have an environment where we can guarantee that cows can lay down 12 plus hours per day and and along with that is we need to understand is that the cow eats for about four and a half to five hours a day and she kind of socializes so she she kind of walks around the barn drinks water talks to her friends a little bit like I say for about, uh, for about three to four hours per day. So what's happening is if our milking time exceeds two and a half to three hours a day, it always takes away from the laying down time. The other thing we need to understand is we know today from some of the research that was done in the last few years that if it's hot, if it's above a certain temperature and we don't have the wind speed, over the freestalls where the cows are laying down, we don't get the laying down time. So what's happening then is these cows, instead of laying down, they're they're, st- they're standing at the at the feed uh, at the at the feed bunk or at the headlocks, which then increases the inflammation because they're not laying down, and that's one of the reasons lameness goes up. We need to understand that these cows are high-producing cows are producing an incredible amount of heat, and 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 we need to make sure that they have a good resting place or comfortable resting place with the wind speed, appropriate wind speed over those freestyles so, so we can get that uh, laying down time. And when we see good laying down time, we see very little deviation in lameness at the end of the summer period, so very little change
0: really good advice on how we can make a barn a little bit more comfortable and hopefully decrease some of those hoof issues. Did you mention hoof baths? Because I am wondering um, how you recommend they are used to be as effective as possible.
1: So, So hoof baths are there to control or prevent infectious hoof diseases like digital dermatitis and foot rot. And, and the hoof bath we know hoof baths today, we need to have a certain length. So we get appropriate about three dips for each hind foot. That gives us the best results per pass through the hoof bath. But the other thing is we need to make sure that the solutions are effective, not overdosed. So, so if we're using a, a pH product or so an acid-based product, we, we understand today that pH needs to be between three, no lower than three. And we know after it goes above five, the effectiveness of a, a bacteria site from those solutions is greatly diminished. The other thing is we need to understand is if we have really dirty cloth, really a hoof bath should be used first to clean the cloth. So we could use like a cleaning, like bleach, or soap or sodium hyperchloride to actually clean the feet. So our more expensive disinfectants are more effective afterwards. And, and we know by just cleaning the feet, uh, like on a rotary parlor, sometimes we see a deck flush, which washes the feet. It greatly reduces the, the manure buildup on the hoof. So once the cows actually go to the hoof bath, two things happen the solution gets to the source where it needs to go to the skin. And the other thing is, is that, that, uh, it's, it's just more effective because it, it gets exposed, the, the, the skin gets, gets exposure. So those are the, those are the things really to be looking at when, when we're doing hoof baths, a very important part in digital dermatitis prevention, but, but my opinion is if we have to run a disinfectant more than three to four times per week, we actually have a hygiene issue. And we need to deal with the hygiene issue because we said earlier that with digital dermatitis, clean feet don't don't get digital dermatitis. So those are the things to, to uh, take into consideration.
0: So I know that each farm is unique, um, but what schedule do you recommend in general for hoof trimming on dairies today?
1: So again, it kind of varies a little bit on on on, on, on the dairy farm and on the management system. Okay. L- let's say uh, we're looking at a grazing farm. A grazing farm, if we could trim every dry cow, so they, they start their lactation with good claws, we could probably prevent a lot of the problems that they see on grazing dairies when it comes to confinement there is it kind of depends on the environment and generally we say we should do two trims or two assessments per year but we only trim if there is something to remove as an example if we have a sand freestyle barn with we always have a little extra we always have wear so there's very little correction to do. And, and what I'm finding is on some of the farms today, with they're well managed with, with Sam Freestyle Barn, that in the first and second lactation, actually, a trim before they start the lactation or, or in the dry period is is beneficial. And, and there's very few animals that will need a mid-lactation checkup because the the wear kind of complements the the, the normal growth and there's really not a lot of problems. Now, on smaller areas where we don't have to, wear, I would say two checkups. So we do one uh, uh, right at dry off or in the dry period. Again, we want them to have the best possible claw shape the day they calf, and then somewhere between 125 and 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 uh, 150 days in milk, depending on. On the, on the management system. So I would say that that goes for anything uh, with organic bedding, with dry lot, with dry lots, all of that. And, and the next thing probably to look at is our older cows, high maintenance cows. We, saw, we talked earlier that sole losses will, will reoccur. And what we're finding is that sometimes because that calving period and early lactation period is such a high risk period, if we give those cows a quick checkup between 30 and 45 days before they go into their peak production or before we try to breed them, and just give them a quick checkup. Do something if we have to do something, we can really extend uh the those animals, or we can prevent that lameness from happening. And then at, at 80 to 125 days when they're supposed to be giving us the most milk. So so we kind of Learn. We look at data and, and that data will tell us when those problems occur. And sometimes we're more intensive with the trimming as an example from mid summer, so from June till September to make sure because during the heat period, those claws are actually in, in better shape because that's when our lameness shows up is from mid August till mid October. So we do the prevention early. And in the wintertime, we go back to to maybe a, a little less intensive schedule. Again, working off of data that we collected from hoof trimming, uh, lameness data, and trimming data.
0: And I would sure think um, making sure that you're having open communication with your hoof trimmer um, would definitely also play a key role in that. So what action plan do you often recommend to dairies for great hoof health?
1: Prevention. So prevention at the right time. Okay. Uh, just like like we like we we said, we look at we look at the data and then we set the prevention program up. But we know that trimming the heifers prior to calving, especially if they come out of a freestyle environment or or an environment where they have longer claws, trimming the heifers prior to calving, so at three to eight weeks before calving, I think brings the foundation, brings them, into that race that they'll be doing as as a producing dairy cow afterwards they, they're much more ready to deal with the, with with the with the confinement to deal with their, with all the other aspects of it so what I would say is that's where we have to start and then like we said before you know two assessments per year and then looking after those higher maintenance cows and and the reason I'm saying those higher maintenance cows those are generally our fourth, fifth, sixth lactation cows, seventh lactation cows. And they will produce a lot of milk if they don't become lame. And sometimes they need a little bit of extra uh, TLC, as we say, tender loving care, so an extra checkup to just keep them producing. But Because those older cows, they'll produce easily or outproduce any two-year-old or even second lactation cow, we can keep them going. And generally, when the claws are healthy, we know reproduction is also also there.
0: Really good, tangible, and yet simple recommendations. So we're now at the end of our conversation. Um, And before we wrap up, um, I know how important proper cow comfort is to you, but I would like to know um, what an animal-centered environment means to you.
1: To me, an animal-centered environment is... An environment where cows can lay down 12 plus hours a day. So they're not heat stressed. Everything is there for them. We have good flooring. We have good traffic lanes. And, and I think we we have to make sure is that we don't overheat the cows once they get into the milking centers. And and I think as the her- herds get larger, that's that's a huge important part. Because we know once they come back from the milking center, some when the milking parlors overheated, it takes time for them then cool to cool down once they come back into, into the barns. And that time takes away from laying down time. So for me, everything we can do is to, to have just good, comfortable beds with air movement over those beds, especially during the heat of the summer and doesn't matter if we're in the Southern Hemisphere or the Northern Hemisphere. That would, for me, because when those environments are right, the claw health is also, is also right. We, we, we have good good farms today that are in, in less than 2% lameness per year. And, and these are the farms that have these uh, animal-centered environments that we just talked about.
0: Well, thank you so much again, Carl, for your time today. Lameness and the lack of proper hoof care are an issue on many dairy farms around the world, and we really appreciate you sharing your insights. So thanks again, everyone, for listening in, and we will talk to you in our next episode. Thank you for joining us for another Dairy Intelligent episode. We hope you have found some suggestions to improve cow comfort on your farm or simply just learn something new. If you have not already, please be sure to subscribe to our channel on your favorite podcast platform and let your friends know about us. We would love to have them listen and learn.